In this episode of the St. Louis Small Business Podcast, Hakeem interviews Dan Tripp, owner of Alpha and Omega Coffee, Good News Brewing, and local entrepreneur. Hakeem and Dan discuss the difficulties of running a small business and balancing that with spending time with your family. Dan also goes into how his faith has taken a role in the growth of his business. Welcome to another episode of the St. Louis Small Business Podcast. Today I'm here with my good friend, Mr. Dan Tripp owner of the Good News Brewery and the Alpha and Omega Coffee Shop. Yeah. Dan, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm really, really uh, glad you agreed to come on the podcast. Uh, yesterday we got to spend a solid amount of time with your CAPS program um, down in St. Peter's. Um, before we kind of get into the nitty gritty of what you're doing now, talk to us a little bit about you know who you are, where you're from, and a little bit about your upbringing. Sure, um, born and raised Cape Toronto, Missouri. Uh, wanted to become a teacher. Well, first wanted to be a, a, in the technology spectrum. So I was uh, in I was in high school and got involved in, in uh, computers. It's funny. So when you were talking to my class yesterday, you talked about the high school. Uh, what did you call it? The high, high school, school party. The rule. high school party rule that uh, you know that if the person who's a, a B or C person, but they host the party, then yep. they, they automatically become an A person, yep. even though you're not the coolest person. So I was a computer nerd in high school. Like yep. I really, I worked for my high school doing computer work. But my parents, when they uh, they separated and both left the house to myself, so I lived by myself in high school. Oh wow! So I became the A person, like right. So my, <laughs> really my social status, like it worked. So when you said that, I was like, it's so true. <laughs> because I became I became popular, and then and then I became a teacher. Um, and you know your status is okay, but then I I own a brewery now, and so my status is a lot higher. <laughs> so I get to meet like cool people. Um, I get invited to the parties. So that's been just, I've gone to like just being this middle class family to be able to hang out with people that I've never been invited to that table before. So it's been a cool path that's gone through. So as was a teacher, I wanted to be a principal. That was my dream in life, to be a principal. Gotcha. And then I finally worked hard, got my doctorate degree, Damn. became an assistant principal. I hated it. Damn. Uh, it just wasn't, I, I was working for the man, I was working for other people's kids, wasn't spending time with my kids, and no matter, uh, I mean, I'll just, okay, I'll say it, no matter how hard I worked, if I worked 10 times harder than I was, I still got paid the same. Mm. And there, and, and that bothered me, and it shouldn't have, because I went into this, this profession to serve, but the money still just was in the back of my head because I hear I'm trying to provide for my family of five and I, and I couldn't do it. Um, so another passion of mine was uh, mission trips and being part of the church. So I'd go on these mission trips to Honduras um, a couple summers and to raise money for those, those trips, I, I didn't have the cash to do that. Mm -hmm. So we had a, a fundraise and we would go to the local um, Sporting event, and we would sell concession. We'd work in the concession stands, yep. actually, the, the the dome when the Rams were here. We would work in the and, and we'd work all day long, and we'd come away with like sixty dollars. Mm. Just wasn't worth it. And I saw an idea of um, I've always wanted to do photography and videography, and I did. I had I kind of had an interest in that in the past. Uh, our church was doing a soccer or a upward basketball okay. thing, and I thought if I can take pictures of the kids. And I could just like sell them in the lobby. I could just have a little display and yeah. sell the photos. So I got a camera, started selling pictures, and then someone asked me to do um, their, you know, family pictures, and started doing that with people. And 
cheap price. This is right when digital cameras started coming out. Mm. So I was able to learn. And before I know it, I'm doing weddings. And I was, I've done probably over 100 weddings. Uh, and it was all to raise money for my mission trips. I was raising a lot of money for mission trips and able to provide for our family uh, so much that my wife was able to stay home. And then that's when I became a principal. And I decided I'm going to put the wedding photography business away mm -hmm. and just focus on being a principal and, and just things weren't working out well. Uh, stressed out, wasn't happy, wasn't making any money, was in debt. Uh, and all this whole process too, I was a home brewer and would oh, make, would make beer at home. Um, I'm, a, I'm a craftsman. I like, to, I like to learn new things. So I got a passion for home brewing and knew that someday I wanted to open a, a restaurant and I wanted to be, I wanted to be a brewery. That's awesome. So just learned as much as I could, went to seminars, went to, met people, went to homebrew clubs and learned how to brew beer. Then in a Bible study that we were in, um, I met Matt, he's the other owner and he was a home brewer as well. Wow. Said, hey, you wanna see my brewery in the basement? And he's like, yeah, I'm a brewer too. So we went and saw my <laughs> brewery in the basement and a friendship was formed. We started brewing together, um, started brewing with our Bible study together, and then just had the idea of let's all right, let's go pro with this and let's let's open up let's open up a brewery. And so we found a little small place in North O'Fallon and opened up a brewery and it's just been uh, it's been a roller coaster since. That's wild. It sounds like uh, everything up to that point happened a lot. Honestly, just by the serendipity of it, you know, you became a photographer because you wanted to do missionary trips and then you did the brewery off of passion and then through the Bible study you met your now business partner. Mm -hmm. Just talk to us a little bit about the process of, you know, starting out in your basement, you know, brewing beer and bringing it to your Bible study and, you know, I'm sure just giving it out to friends and things like that. When you made that ultimate leap of faith and started your first brewery, first business, you know, what was that like? Oh, I mean, like, like I'm sure everyone says it's scary for sure. Mm -hmm. um, we, so we were reading a Bible study called Flesh. It was by Hugh Halter. Mm -hmm. And um, in the book, Hugh is a pastor and the, the book is called Flesh because Jesus took on flesh and blood and became human and tangible and was the life of the party. You know, he was called um, a glutton and a drunkard, and a, a friend of sinners and tax collectors because he hung out with the people who drank and he hung out with the sinners and he became their friends and, and wasn't inviting them to come to church. And churches today focus so much on just come to Sunday morning and never, that's gonna change your life. Just come to Sunday morning. We've got all these kids services and great great show. And, um, and his, his, his approach was just use your talents, use your gifts and just build community. Just get to know people in your neighborhood um, and just gather. And so we decided to build a bigger brewing system. We knew we wanted to go pro someday. And when you brew it professionally, you brew in what's called one barrel batches. So at home you're doing them in like five or 10 gallons. And so a barrel is about 30-ish gallons. Gotcha. So we got a, we built a one barrel system. Uh, you might've heard the, uh, you know, the analogy, you're always supposed to leave one chair open for your small group. So for that guest that's not there, uh, we try to take that mentality of let's brew a batch of beer for the person who's not there. Let's always brew an extra batch of beer, a five gallon keg, and then let's use that to to give to someone, to uh, to donate it to a, a nonprofit doing a fundraiser or, or whatever else we could do. 
and that worked. So about once a month we had a brew party, and people would just come over. And it was it was, a, it was approachable. Invite people to to come hang out with us. Absolutely. Um, you can only ask your neighbor so many times to church. I like that. Eventually, I mean, when a no is finally there's no, but hey, you want to come hang out and brew beer with us and eat pizza? Like yeah. So it it was it, it worked, and we got to hang out with people that uh, probably wouldn't have come to hang out with me at church. Mm -hmm. um, so old friends, family, um, just a, a whole collection of people came together. Then one day um, I went to a homebrew supply store that we got all of our ingredients from and asked them about what does it take to open up a, a brewery? Like what, there's this, what's this retail space cost? That was really my question. It's like, what's the, how does this work out getting a little space in this little strip mall? And she said, well, you can't do that. We're actually gonna expand, but why don't you start brewing for us? And with, with brewing, there's a lot of like regulations. You can't just start brewing beer in your basement and sell it. It's against the law. Gotcha. Um, you have to have a, what's called the, your TTV, Alcohol, Tobacco, and Tax Bureau, your taxing. Mm -hmm. um, you have to have, you have to go to commercial property. So they said, just brew with us and then we'll sell it. You know, we'll sell it under your name. We'll do a collaboration. So they're like, oh, how do you do that? And they're like, well, you just need to form an LLC. What's an LLC? <laughs> um, so I have no like real business background. I did wedding photography and I learned how to book deals and do that. And but I was, it wasn't really. It was more of a side hustle. Mm -hmm. Wasn't a real business. So formed an LLC. Uh, kicked around what names we were going to be. Uh, good News Brewing was was the name because that's what we were doing. We were just sharing good news when we gathered together. Wow. And. Uh, so then we had to find a so that relationship. So we started brewing beer with them, having it on tap. But then they sold their business, so we needed to find a space because we ended up buying some new equipment. Looked all around town and was shut down, just left and right. Um, no places wanted us. They weren't interested in us. They didn't want a bar. Um, so found a little small space here in North O'Fallon. Uh, actually, found a big space first. We were interested in that one, um, and. Like that's the hardest part with a business like ours is finding the spot. Mm -hmm. I think you can't. I mean, you can make the best beer at home, but if you can't, unless you have a spot to do it, um, it, it was a challenge. Um, I hated dealing with all of the big retail strips because you never really got to talk to a person. It was a broker. Yep. Um, There's tri these triple net fees, which I didn't know about. All these hidden fees. Oh yeah. So I found a little plaza here, and when I called, there was a you know four rent sign on the on the wall, um, and I got to actually talk to the real owner of the place, and he gave us a tour, and he was interested in it. The only problem was is it needed a, a fire sprinkler system in it, oh. that was going to cost us eighty thousand dollars. Damn! So we didn't have any money. Uh, he said he would put it up for us, but we'd have to pay it back, and I just I didn't want to take that risk. So he said, well, there's another one of our tenants. She owns a laundromat up the street. She's got a little small space. Why don't you go check it out? All right. Went up there, looked at it, I was like, this is way too small, it's not going to work. Mm. Um, and then something moved me to like go back and look at that space again. And I went there, and when I walked in the second time, it just... The laundromat space? Yeah, the laundromat space. Small little, I mean, it's like uh, barely a thousand square foot, and it was a wreck. It was just... Um, it, the laundromat's next to it, it was an office space. Mm -hmm. um, looked into the ceilings falling down, it, it just, it was a mess. And it was that moment of like, this is it. This is perfect. Um, we can we can we can turn this place around and make it pretty cool. So, to, probably the hardest part though wasn't convincing myself that we could do it. 
it was convincing my business partner mm. and my wife yeah. and the brewer and um, it, everyone else rallied behind what we was doing what I was doing it was just convincing probably more my wife and my business partner of like this is just more time that's going to be added to our life and gotcha. do we really want to invest this time into it mm -hmm. uh, once I got the green light from my wife it was it was go. It was go. <laughs> um, and it was, a, it was a lot of work. I, I mean, I put in a 40 hour working by being an assistant principal by day, and then by night I was at the brewery all night long. We did all the construction work. The, the person who let us move in uh, gave us six months uh, no payments for if, if we did all the work to fix it up. Oh, so we were able to put sweat equity into it. Um, God, was, we, we, we prayed for it all the time, and that was what, what, what Matt and I always say is. We pray that God's either going to open the door or close the door quickly, and He opened the doors one after the other. And so we just knew that this was the right thing to do. That that God was really was putting us in this position. That's amazing. I instantly saw the parallel of the flesh verse you were talking about when you guys first started um, the little community aspect. When you guys did that, where were you guys doing that at to start? Just in my house. That's amazing. Yeah, I was in my house, and then we moved over to Matt's house and in his basement. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And then, so you got, you took, you, you put some serious sweat equity in, um, you know, at this laundry mat and completely converted it and things like that. Talk about the grand opening when you guys finally opened it. It's, so we had a little Facebook page uh, for our little basement brewery um, when we were at the other home brew supply store. We had about 300 followers, maybe. Uh -huh. uh, and once we finally got the space, I took a picture of it. Um, I didn't really know what the what the space was in the past, but took a picture of it, and we almost went from 300 to 3,000 followers overnight. Yeah. It, it, like it just went viral. That that one post uh, had a reach of over 100,000 people, wow. and so that was such a great just like relief that all right this other people believe in other it. people <laughs> believe in this. This is not just our wild and crazy idea. Um, there's not a lot of, you know, the, the, the beer industry, the craft beer industry is on a rise. I mean, mm -hmm. it is just, it's, 100%. It, it's growing. And for the most of them, if you make a good beer and you have a good, lo you know, a, a good um, service, the location doesn't matter as much because it's off the beaten path. People will, you know, if you build it, they will come in the, in the craft beer movement right now. I can't say it's going to be forever, mm -hmm. but easily for now, if, if you have people will drive across town to come just to our brewery. That's right. um, so when we had our first, um, you know, we built the place, we decided to keep it simple. We did, we, we knew we needed food. We can't just do beer. Mm -hmm. So we did beer and pizza. Um, we took a lot of pictures. Um, so when you were talking with my, with my students yesterday about documenting, mm -hmm. we, we documented a lot. We documented all of the pictures of, of, of construction, of us tearing the walls down, of us hanging the drywall, of us having the kids help us. Um, we posted, we, we asked questions. Hey, do you think we should use this color or this color for the ceilings? And everyone, you know, chimed in. Big community aspect. And people commented all the time when they saw us, like, oh, I've been following you guys for this whole process. They've been rallying around us. Um, we did another, uh, we wanted to do some soft openings mm -hmm. because we wanted to make sure we kind of understand the system. We did a soft opening and we just said a little simple like, hey, share this with a friend and, and like our page. And that went from, we went from like 3,000 to another 6,000 followers. Wow. Another, so up to, up to three to six, just with that other post. So before we even opened the doors, we had 6,000 or so followers. Uh, when we, we did soft openings, 
we we didn't we couldn't handle it. Like we could not handle the amount of people that showed up. Um, opening day was packed all day long, <laughs> and for the first three four months, it it was always packed like every day. Um, and we were we were killing it. Our goal was to do a hundred thousand dollars in sales for the whole full year, mm -hmm. and we did that about three months. Wow. So there we knew like, all right, we got something, we got something good here. Absolutely. Uh, let's, let's keep rolling with this. To give our That's listeners reference, reference, what year is this? This was, uh, so this was two and a half years ago from now. So okay. it was 2000, uh, it was the, it was the summer of 2017. Gotcha. Wow. That's amazing. And then, you know, so you guys are crushing it, you know, first three months over a hundred thousand in sales. What made you guys um, make the move to open a second location? <laughs> probably ego. <laughs> we talked about the ego. But I was like, no, that's probably it. You know, we, I enjoyed the process. That's awesome. The process was awesome. Uh, I was in my element. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, when, when you're, when, when everything's just firing and, and you're connecting with people and you're building things and people are loving it. And, um, so I'm also a, a coffee um, a snob and, and a roasted coffee at home. And when I when I travel, uh, when I go to a new town, the first two things I do is I look for the brewery and the, and the coffee roastery, and I go visit those. I, I love the vibe of coffee roasteries by day. I love the vibe of breweries. Uh, you know, I like that it's just laid back. It's okay if things aren't perfect. That if you know this paint is not perfect, it doesn't <laughs> matter. Like there's paint drip. Like no, if you don't care, it's cool with that. But if you're at a country club, no, it's got to be. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> people aren't yeah. really. Uh, uh, yeah. So I just always like that that down to earth vibe. Just come as you are. Um, and so we had a beer. It was our hazelnut coffee milk stout that we were making. And when I would talk about that to our customers, they would say, "Oh, wow, that sounds really good. I can't wait for that to come out." And then when it came out, it became one of our top-rated beers on this online platform um, that people use to rate beers. Um, and they're like, "You know what? This was so much fun. I want to get into real estate." I want to buy a place. Uh, you know, we, we just knew from the beginning, like we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make this good news brewing uh, like a franchise. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna have these all across the country. Uh, we're at least gonna you know all across Lake Charles. We can repeat this model all over the place. Um, and so we decided, let's open a coffee roastery. Let's let's learn. I wanted to learn the process of general contracting, of building, of buying commercial property. Like I want to start small. This North O'Fallon area is doesn't have much. So found this little house. Um, it was listed at two hundred thousand um, dollars. I walked through and just kind of knowing what I did with construction there, I was like, I can, I about a hundred thousand dollars. We could fix this place up. We'd have a great little coffee shop right on Main Street and build a little um, uh, drive-through. And so we bought the place. And it was I, I should have known. <laughs> like here, God was. Uh, closing doors on us. He didn't close the doors, but he definitely, it was a struggle. We, we had so many roadblocks and uh, challenges with the city requiring us to do so many things. And uh, almost every step of the process, I can tell you there was some hiccup. Nothing went smooth. It took the, the, the person, you know, first, first right off the bat, the city 
um, you know, I had a con general contractor, he said it would be, you know, for th this price. Well, then once the city made us get these engineers and this kind this people to do this, and it, he was at $100,000 more than what he said, so we didn't have the funding, so I had a general contractor myself. The guy that we hired was uh, walked out on us with some of our money, and mm. we're still not done with all of this like construction still with the, with the city. And then we opened up, and we learned real quickly that people don't like coffee as much as they like beer. <laughs> so we we still to this. I mean, we we. We probably we won't make a profit this first year. Mm. Um, our projections were completely the opposite of what we thought they would be. And, you know, there we were way, like under our projections. Here we're way over, like four thousand dollars over. Mm. Uh, maybe not that much, but uh, we're we're just we're not going to make profit this year. And so that's that's been uh, a humbling uh, experience. It's, you know, it's the, you think that oh, if you build it, you know, <laughs> yeah. I've got this. I can I can open up anything the golden touch you know or the, whatever people think and uh, the coffee industry is definitely a challenge uh, there's something and we're a roastery but uh, we th everything seems to be in line to work well but it's just not and so we're gonna pivot you know we're, we're not we're not quitters so we're gonna we're gonna pivot and we're gonna change things up and we're gonna make it successful gotcha. I think over time it's gonna be successful but it's just it's gonna take you know our reviews are great the product's great. Which means the location is a little. Um, I mean, you come here, so it's got to be. Every day, it's got to be. Hundred percent. Right? <laughs> what, what are some of your ideas to pivot um, to kind of? Uh... So I'm gonna go back to our roots. We're a brewery. Gotcha. Like that's why. That's why we got into this was to brew beer, and to to uh, you know I haven't gotten to the faith side of things really of why we're doing this, but mm -hmm. but our product is our beer, um, and. We hoped that we could be a coffee slash brewery that people would want to come here to get our, our co coffee beers and coffee stouts and coffee themed beers, but that's not working. So we're gonna try. We're gonna we're gonna do uh, street tacos and Mexican beers. So sour beers are really hot right now. People are uh, that's a, probably one of the newest. Uh, movements in the industry, uh, lagers are now back to another, uh, those are the two hottest trends right now in the craft beer movement. So uh, by having some lagers and some sour beers that are just here and having some street tacos, I think that will, uh, so we're gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna create a complete separate company um, underneath the Alpha Omega name, it's gonna be a, called Apostle Street Tacos. And so yeah, that should start here in about a month or two. That's really, really exciting. And then talk to us about uh, the move you guys made out in Defiance. Yeah, so that was we before. <laughs> so this is so interesting. This is, this is nuts. Um, before this coffee house was even open, mm -hmm. we just kind of you know we thought it was going to be so great. And we're going to be. We were running out of beer over in our the small our first brew. And, uh, we were we were selling more beer than we could physically make. Okay, so it's a good problem. Good, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so to to fix that problem, we had to use another brewery to make our beers for us. So we gave oh, our wow. we gave them our recipes. They would brew them on their system. It's called contract brewing, and we would buy the beer. Back so we're wrong. buying our own beer and then and selling it, and that's no fun. Um, so we wanted our own brewing system. 
and a lot of breweries make mistakes. They build this big, massive brewery. They think people are going to come, and then they're they don't have these they have these fermenters that are getting wasted. And like a fermenter that sits there is not being used is like having a trucking company and a truck that's just sitting in your parking mm-hmm. lot not yep. using. Those fermenters are need to be turned over a lot. Gotcha. Um, and so we've seen the fail that a lot of other breweries have done. Um, here, well, let's build the demand, and then now let's build a brewery into it. So we wanted a bigger brewing space. So we started looking around. So back to the real estate. Um, looking for places to, 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 to move into, looked at several places, found a really cool space um, in the St. Charles area, and then this space out in Defiance um, is this, was this barbecue place that my friend, I, I saw one day driving around um, about a couple years ago when we were building the first place, and I saw this place, and I was like, where did this thing come from? It's, it's, a, it's amazing, it's got garage doors, all on the outside, a rooftop deck. Oh, I'm in there. T- I'm taking pictures of the place, <laughs> and I brought my wife down like a few months later. I'm like, you got to see this place. It's just amazing. And I didn't even eat there. I'm just taking pictures of the, of the of the venue. And I even asked, where'd you guys get your garage doors from? So we use the same company to end up putting our garage doors in at our our uh, brewery here. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so this place was for sale, and it was about the same price as this other property, and it's three times the size of it. Um, we went to our bank. I went to several banks. Uh, and pitched our idea, and probably nine of them said no. Mm, um, talk yeah. about that process. Of, you know, it's real, huh? Yeah, it's real. Like you, you think you got a great idea, and they all just said, "No, you're growing too fast, too soon." Um, I think, you know, I think what you're doing is good. This place wasn't open. They didn't, they didn't like it. Um, and then went back to our banker, yeah. and they said, you know, they 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 were able to see our numbers, and they they looked at the numbers of our first place, and they said, all right, it makes sense. You know, you guys have ran a really lean operation. Like, mm-hmm. We haven't taken any money out of that business yet. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, mean, I haven't received a paycheck yet in two and a half years. Um, because we're just taking that money and reinvesting it back to, to grow. Uh, I'm, still, I'm still teaching and Matt's still working full time. Uh, so that, I think that helped. And the bankers knew us as individuals and they know our, our work ethic. Um, they know, uh, you know, before even even back up, one of the things that, but while all this time too, I was I was I was I just finished an Ironman race a few like months before we started our, our LLC, and the banker like told me he's like you know what, I've been following you on Facebook, and I know you're not a quitter. Like, if you could if you can do that's that, that's real. That's the power of brand right there. Your yeah, personal brand. That's well, awesome. and I'm sure someday you'll you know you, you shared your story with, with us and your experience uh, about that motivation of like you know if I can get through that I can get through anything and so that's kind of was, has been my mantra to get through these things. But anyway, the bank the banks agreed to give us money and awesome. we we went full steam ahead and bought this awesome venue. Um, it's right on the it's in, it's in wine country and when we're just we're we're crushing it there. It's it's awesome. It's I mean, the um, weekend sales are great. I mean, we're closed Monday through Wednesday. We don't, we don't even need to be open Monday through Wednesday. Wow. We make enough. We make enough on just Thursday, Friday, Thursday. Saturday, and Sunday. I mean, Thursday we probably don't even need to be open, but we just do some fun events there. Um, so yeah, we're gonna keep growing. We're getting ready to build a wedding venue there, or a, a facility, um, or a, a place to hold some church and worship services too. That's amazing. Uh, Talk to us a little bit about, you mentioned the idea yesterday and I already know you're going to execute on it. Talk to, talk to us about this idea of being the brew pastor. <laughs> yeah, the brew pastor. So we, we I think started. It, I don't mean to cut you off. I think it really, 
it really, I got the chills when you started to tell me about the flesh verse because I was like, wow, it's all coming full circle mm -hmm. and your thesis has never changed, I feel like. Yeah, and, and that's why we opened, we, when we opened the brewery, we didn't want to go with, with, with Jesus first. Mm -hmm. Like, here, here's some, here's some good news. Do you know Jesus? <laughs> People get turned off. Really, do you know him? Because yeah. uh, that's not good news. And I think it's so important for any, there's a lot of like churches who are running coffee shops right now. There's a lot of churches out there. You don't even know they're churches you go in these coffee shops and their coffee sucks. Like the, the vibe sucks. And it's like, Jesus was, I don't know, but I bet he was a really good carpenter. 100%. And, and I, I bet he made some really awesome houses and um, Paul, who was a tent maker, who shared the gospel and, and made it to what it is, I bet he made really good tents. Like, he couldn't be this crappy tent maker and then preaching the gospel. Yep. And so we, our product needed to come first. We need to make the best beer and the best pizza that we can come first. And now, now that people accept us and like us and trust us, now let's talk about Jesus. And so that's been kind of our, our approach to this. So we started it slowly by just doing a Christmas Eve service. And people showed up. We had like 50 people show up and I just wow. led a Christmas Eve service. I didn't think they were gonna show up that many, but they showed up. And then we did an Easter service. Another 75 people showed up. And then we bought this building and we did another Christmas Eve and 100 people showed up. And we did an Easter service again. We probably had almost 200 people show up. Wow. And there's been a lot of, I've, you know, that's a whole other story, but some of the hurt that I've gone through of being part of the church um, the churches are, are, are not growing. Businesses and entrepreneurship is growing. Churches are not growing. They're declining rapidly. And so we wanted to show people, we wanted to create a hub. We wanted to create a place that people are safe. It doesn't matter where your, what your background is, what your experience is, what you've come from, what you know, you're safe. And, and I'm, I'm going to be sitting there drinking a beer with you. I'm not going to judge you. I can't judge you. Um, so... <laughs> Talking a long time, sorry. No, this is awesome. <laughs> I, I, I don't like to uh, set a time limit. I just like to just got cut it out, cut out, out, cut out, cut out all the crap. Exactly. <laughs> um, but that's awesome. Um, I think that overarching thesis is one amazing, and two, I think like it's different. You know, you don't see that. I I personally never seen anything like that, um, and especially at a time in 2019, I feel like. You know, we are in a place of heavy, heavy, heavy judgment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's amazing churches and there's churches that are under a lot of scrutiny, um, you know, due to one, the, the judgy atmosphere and the, uh, some of the politics that kind of go into the, the church atmosphere. And I'm not talking down on churches, but oh, no, there's, it's just reality. There's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of people that, I mean, there are some churches that just suck. Like, they don't do a good job. And there's people in that church who they are doing the complete opposite of really representing what God's love is. You know, you holding a sign out there that says something that's you already bashing know. someone you already else. Know. <laughs> it, it just, I just, I just, I, I, I hate to sometimes admit I'm a Christian because like I don't want to be associated with. It's a lot with of hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. So, and everyone knows that. And and now modern and now people know that. And people, the younger generation, they don't they don't want to be a part of that. That's that's probably the realest part. Right. The younger generation has been so. I mean, from growing up, going in, going to the church and seeing, witnessing it all, and then growing up and be like, wait, what? Like all the stuff you know, you were told as a kid. I yeah. think 
exactly what you're doing is one besides appealing to the older generation who are getting sick of the hypocrisy I think it's really gonna appeal to a lot of the younger generation as a new outlook of yeah. a way to receive the good news yeah. in that sense yeah. um, and then I had a really an interesting question for you because not many people get to experience this is what's it like one running a business side-by-side side with your wife it has um, it's definitely benefits and it's challenges like everything, right? 100%. Uh, you know, she runs the coffee house and she is not an entrepreneur. Gotcha. Uh, she's a good manager. She's a great manager. Um, she manages, she, <laughs> when I wrote the business plan and I wrote that she was going to be the operating manager, it's like, I wrote, she has five kids and she manages that and me. Like, I'm sure she can <laughs> run the coffee house. Yeah. And, you know, she is the backbone of our family. Um, She's running the kids to to all the the swim meets and the soccer practice, and I try to be there when I can. And it's a sacrifice right now that I'm taking. Mm -hmm. I'm still working my full time job and trying to build our our brand, so it's a sacrifice. There's times that I can't get to those games, and she has to take on that weight. And and she's doing a, a great job of of doing that. And so all of this wouldn't be happening without her. Um, for sure. So, it it has its it has its challenges, and sometimes she hates it because it's a lot it's a lot of work and not what she wants to do. Like she she said one day, like, oh yeah, I want to. After she was a stay home mom forever, and it's like, oh, I want to work at Starbucks. I'm like, screw that. We're gonna open a coffee house. We're gonna run it. That's awesome. <laughs> she's like, this is your plan, not mine. It's like, I think it's God's plan. It's <laughs> <laughs> real. Um, talk to us a little bit about because something that I've never seen before. Um, the program that you run, the CAPS program. Sure. Um, I've, I mean, I got to experience and talk to a couple of your kids yesterday in two different sessions, and I was one thoroughly impressed on the way the whole program is run, and two, the 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 practitioner's approach to entrepreneurship versus being this ideological ideological thing that's just the new in mm -hmm. right now, mm -hmm. and actually getting to see a, a full scope of what's actually you know happening so I was a principal and when I left your principal like it, it I ended up kind of losing my job my, my job was actually administrative intern and was supposed to turn into principal or assistant principal and I didn't get hired for the job I didn't want and so I was obligated to I was contracted tenured so I had to come, go back to teaching so I was teaching third grade this is the first year the brewery's open mm. so we're crushing it we're, we're killing it I would have a whole packed patio all weekend long, doing all kinds of events. And then Monday morning I wake up and I'm teaching third graders. <laughs> and it was, and then I, you know, like we had Mondays and Tuesdays off, but Wednesdays I couldn't wait to get out of there to get here on Wednesdays to, to start selling beer and just hanging out with people. Mm -hmm. And it was such a tear. I was like, this, I hated being there. I, and, and I would look, I'd be reading books to these kids and I'd look down at them and I'd like, this isn't right. Like, how how would you like it if you knew that your your third grader's teacher didn't want to be there? That's like, really that's that's not cool. Uh, but I was only there because I needed the paycheck, and so I I um, I went to the principals and said, I'm done. I can't. I'm not, I'm not coming back next year. I won't be coming back here next year. I don't know where I'll be. Um, I'm either retiring and I'm going to try to do the business full time. And this was a coffee house wasn't even open yet, mm. so that was a huge risk. 
I was interested in doing maybe some business classes, and then I heard about this. I heard about this CAPS program, um, and so this CAPS program is it's the Center for Advanced Professional Studies. It's a program that started out in in Kansas, and and the idea behind it is it's teaching high schoolers professional skills. So I give this the example of you're familiar with trade schools or vocational schools where you go and you learn how to fix a small engine or build a computer. So same model, students leave their normal high school setting, but here we're going to immerse them into a professional setting. So they're going to dress professionally, they're, we're going to meet at office buildings, we're not going to meet in high school classrooms. The first lesson in class is how to shake hands. And we model how to shake hands and how to do a bad handshake and here's how we do good handshakes. We learn how to network, we give them business cards, we go to networking events, they write a resume, they do Lean Six Sigma training, they learn about their strengths finder assessments and they uh, we do seminars on, on, on those. And we're just we're getting them immersed into the professional setting. And then with that I teach them I call it the art and science of business. Mm -hmm. So here's the art, that's the remembering people's names, um, uh, knowing how to uh, talk to people and, and let them talk about themselves first. And then we talk about the science, and that's where we get into the money of things, the wealth of finance, uh, investing, um, uh, assets versus liabilities. And that's a fun like lessons that I get to just throw out some crazy things that I know they're never gonna get taught. It's, it's all these books that I've, that I've learned through this entrepreneur journey myself. You keep in this mindset of an entrepreneur, uh, but there's but we have so we have guest speakers coming every week. We go on site visits every week. We go and we visit places around the county and learn how they do business. I love getting entrepreneurs to come in and tell their story. Um, and you can always tell there's there's the self-employed guy and then there's the entrepreneur. And, and I say entrepreneur is a mindset, not a person. Um, and you definitely have that entrepreneur mindset. You could you within a two or three minute conversation, I can pick a person out and, and know where they are on this journey. And it's cool to have the self-employed person, um, but I definitely love having the entrepreneurs come in um, to, to talk with them. And so they do projects where I don't have them do projects for me. So here, create this fake website. Create this fake brochure for me for a grade. I find real businesses that need websites, that need brochures, that need events, and they do those for those real people. So we call it experiential learning. And, and that's the movement of uh, education. You know, sitting in a classroom and hearing from your high school teacher who's never owned a business talk about marketing strategies. Like, overarching <laughs> downfall of education. Yeah, yeah it is. Um, and so we need to get real people who know, and, and, we, and we need to just trust now that these, these kids can, they can figure it out on their own. Like, when, when I assign them to make it, like one group's got to, they're, they're making a video. They're making a video for uh, a company. I don't make videos, but they're going to figure it out real quick because they can these days. That's real. I don't need to sit there and teach them how to do it. Google is your mother. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. If, you, if, if, if it can be Googleable, it shouldn't be taught. Like that's... That's real. That's I, was, I, I was listening to uh, Gary Vee the other day and he was talking about how, you know, we're taught to memorize the presidents of the United States yeah. and the uh, 50 capitals of every state. And that takes time when you're in fifth mm -hmm. grade. Mm -hmm. When now, today, you just, hey Siri, who was the 33rd president? Yep. Hey right. Siri, who was the second president? You can get it faster than you can think about it. Yep. I think that's, that's, that's so real. What is your thought on the future and the current state of education? Wow. Uh, that's a whole other, you're opening <laughs> up a whole other conversation here. And, and, and so I, I, what the future of education is, 
I do think there's hope for it. Um, the experiential learning, things that we're doing with CAPS is gaining momentum. People are behind it, they, they believe in it, um, they're recognizing it, uh, but there's still a huge disconnect with um, being in an elementary school and seeing kindergartners who don't know how to emotionally regulate their behaviors is we're, we're at an epidemic that people don't realize right now. Uh, in almost every elementary school across the country, there's these safe rooms, or these quiet rooms, or these rooms that kids are having to be transported to because these kids are kicking and punching and spitting and hurting other people that they need to be secluded. Mm. And it's all, and, and we use we use words now called trauma and trauma-informed care. And it's because these these students have experienced trauma that that is why they can't regulate their behaviors. And behaviors come from two emotions, either love or fear, and they're in a state of fear, so they're either gonna fight or flight. Why, the trauma today is the same trauma that's been forever. There's no new trauma. Absolutely. And you know, I, I grew up in school with kids who had probably worse trauma than the kids today. So why are why are young kids not able to regulate their emotions? This is the real epidemic that we need to fix. And I hate to be that guy and blaming it on screens and social media, you know, computers and all that. Because TVs have always been around, mm -hmm. and and screens and TVs have been bad. But what I think is the problem is is that the parents are now doing this, mm. you know, and they're not regulating, and kids don't want to go outside anymore and play and learn, uh, how, to, how do you regulate your emotions? You learn about um, natural consequences, you know, you cause and effect, uh, you learn all those problem solving strategies and coping strategies, um, and if you're not getting outside of the environment and all you're doing is a screen and you get that, why, why are people on screens all the time? Because in those video games, because they get that instant feedback, the gratification, it, it comforts them. Um, I see it all the time at the brewery. Well, a family come in and a kid is crying. What do the parents do? <laughs> this has become the coping strategy for our civilization, for this is the emotional stabilization. Mm. And if this is removed in the classroom, the kids gonna lose his shit, and like that's what happens. Mm. And 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 that affects all of the rest of the class in the school. And um, it's a it's a huge problem that I don't think Americans realize. Me being inside the walls. Of the room with the kid punching and kicking me and holding, and I and I have to restrain him was 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 not a fun part of my job. <laughs> That's real. Uh, yeah. So those kindergartners, they're right in that level too. Take <laughs> you down. That's super real. And then, um, <laughs> where do you see kind of you know things as an entrepreneur? Um, I think we all think in different types of. Uh, Futuristic thinking of where you know you're going and where your companies and your businesses are going. You know, how do you see kind of the short-term, near-term future kind of playing out? 
for myself or for entrepreneurs and just no for say show your businesses and where you guys where you guys want to go and things like that. Well, we're gonna keep growing. That's our that's our that's our model. Um, you know, Matt, the other the other I have a right retirement plan. Okay. Matt has said all along, like I'm not in this right now for the money. I'm looking at this long term investment. Like how do I how do we build up a company that's so, that's successful that we don't have to work? And so what we've learned real quick. As you know, I'm sure you've read the E Myth and, uh, and learning about that, and that's true. I mean, that's that is that's a, a practical book that people need to understand that that concept that you're building a system. I know those are the buzzwords that you that you're, that, but it's so true. Um, we're stretched so thin right now. I mean, last night I was rolling pizza dough balls. Like, I shouldn't be rolling pizza dough balls. That's real. Um, I should be out doing stuff like this. But that's what you got to do and until you can build that system and it's easy to point fingers at this person doesn't know how to do this this person's lack on this well that person's it's my fault like I gotta, I, every, everything goes back to me and I've got to be able to commit that time to be able to develop them and to build them up and that's where that's where I'm kind of we're, 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 we are stretched thin right now we're not able to grow our company I just saw a piece of property in another town and I just know, man. If we bought that place, we you know what you mean, dude. Crush it there. <laughs> I know it would be successful. That's real. I can't. Like, I, I mean, it, it just it would it would tear our company apart because we're not properly managing. That's real. Three places now. Um, so for those entrepreneurs out there that want to grow and expand their company, you've got to learn management strategies and techniques. That's that's the, the hardest part of it. That's, that's real. It's, and uh, to, before we close up, what would you say, you know, some of your best pieces of advice for, you know, future entrepreneurs, future small business owners um, looking to get into the space? Um, what would you say your best piece of advice um, for them to kind of, whether it's to get started or kind of just thoughts on the industry? There's so many cliches I want to avoid here. <laughs> you know, like, it's... But I mean, it's really knowing knowing your why. Mm. If, if you don't know why you're doing it, and there's not a purpose behind why you're doing it, it's 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 tough. It's hard. It's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And you can drift off really quick and start focusing on the money. Mm. Every time I start focusing on the money and looking forward, everything goes wrong. Mm. When I focus on why I'm doing it, um, you're, you're at a peace. Uh, me personally, what I would say is for, if, if you're not putting God first in your business and in your life, then everything else is gonna be a wreck. Mm. So I believe all entrepreneurs should make God the center of their, of that, that, that is their why of why they're doing mm. what they're doing. That's real. And then what would be the best way for our listeners if they wanted to reach out to you, um, whether it's you know social media or email or anything like that? Yeah, you can hit, I mean, my, it's Dan Tripp on Facebook. You can do it, um, my, my profile's open. You can check out the family, see, see what we're doing. Send me a, a message on there. Um, or um, we're, it's Good News Brewing on all the other channels as well. That sounds great. Dan, we really, really appreciate you yeah. coming on to the St. Louis Small Business Club. Cool, man.